Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Mel Gibson's Passion Project, The Passion of the Christ, from 2004, is a religious document. For some, it's a spiritually moving experience to become closer to God. For others, it is a bad movie. To address either of these concerns, let's begin with a statement of principles. Movies convey emotional realism, which is to say they are purposefully built and organized around manipulating our emotions. This is true whether it's fiction or nonfiction, live action or animation. To the extent a movie is successful, it gins up our emotional responses just as the filmmakers intend to get us somewhere. In The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson is indeed successful at moving us closer to the plight and struggle of Jesus of Nazareth before being crucified and murdered by Roman soldiers. If somebody shows up to the Passion of the Christ expecting a view of what the Lord went through in his final hours, one will see punishment, pain, difficulty, and doubt bloodily sprayed across the screen in ways that are truly difficult to watch. I know that no matter my opinion, somebody who is already a believer in the Christian faith is going to think the Passion of the Christ is somehow or other revealing the good news. On the other hand, for somebody examining the movie as a movie, the Passion of the Christ is likely to come out wanting. In mass media, we often refer to the idea of presenting fact, and then we also refer to representing something else, an imaginary condition. These two ideas, presentation lining up with nonfiction, representation or representation lining up with fiction, are poles that rule all of our judgments about the success or failure of mass entertainment. The Passion of the Christ is extremely successful at presenting suffering. We, as an audience, are asked to suffer along with a character, an avatar of our difficulties, Jesus of Nazareth, played by Jim Caviezel. We watch this man, a prophet, being punished for his beliefs and his understanding of his relationship to God. These punishments include being hit, punched, kicked, being caned, being flayed, being whipped, being nailed, being nailed being nailed, and finally dying. The point of elongating the suffering that Jesus goes through in the course of this movie is not an accident. Mel Gibson, the filmmaker, who is also a co-writer and producer of the movie, was intentionally trying to place his audience, us, into the position of feeling what Jesus went through in the hours leading up through his crucifixion and death. For those who are already involved in the Christian faith, this is also the beginning of renewal as Jesus rises from the dead, and we get a brief glimpse of this as the penultimate moment of the movie. 
Still, I want to wind back through the piece and describe something that irritates me about The Passion of the Christ. 1. As movies are made, we make decisions about what's the best way to advance a story hitting certain key plot points that accelerate the interest of an audience through the journey of a protagonist as that protagonist confronts an antagonist and reaches the conclusion of their story. This story is well known in Western civilization. Very few of us who press play on our DVD or Blu-ray or streaming service or watch this movie in repertory distribution are unlikely to know the outcome of the story or what its main points might be. Meaning, we don't need to see absolutely every moment of suffering to know that there is prolonged difficult suffering the character is forced to undergo and ultimately be redeemed as we are redeemed according to the logic of this narrative and of the faithful who pile into this movie as some of its most ardent supporters. Yet as a movie, it takes too long to move through its arc we watch extended slow motion throughout this movie, and if that slow motion were sped up to regular motion, we could indeed drop minutes out of the overall length of this experience. Note, movies sometimes attempt something that the poet T.S. Eliot promoted as the objective correlative, that is, the way in which creative expression asks an audience to inhabit the real emotional position of somebody experiencing the problems and difficulties that the characters involved in the creative expression are actually experiencing. To wit, the Passion of the Christ asks us to suffer alongside Jesus as he's being hit kicked, beaten, flayed, etc., and we watch this in such close proximity to the flaying of his flesh, the bloodying of his back, the mutilation of his face, that we feel afflicted inasmuch as a movie can cause us to feel this way. A pause. This movie is a fictional account of something which nobody has journalistic accounts of. Yes, there is the gospel truth, and these filmmakers turn to it to uncover the story of what happened in Jesus' last day of life. Yet what we're watching is an interpretation of an interpretation of events that can be argued about by historians. But let's leave that aside and notice that we're looking at an able-bodied, handsome man, Jim Caviezel, playing Jesus of Nazareth, whose body is mangled through the course of two hours of runtime. Now, there are millions of people across the globe who have seen this movie and were brought to tears thinking that this is an accurate representation of what their Lord went through to redeem their souls as human beings on planet Earth. I can't address whether that's legitimate or not, but I do acknowledge that people are incredibly moved by this movie, and it's one of the bloodiest and most difficult-to-watch movies I have seen. I wonder, when I conclude watching this movie, with a group of students I forced March to watch it with me, if the movie could have been more effective had there been less graphic bloodshed, had there been fewer slow-motion sequences, had they accepted that many of us already know the main points and beats of Jesus' last day of life. Further, would this movie have been more successful if some of the ethnic stereotypes attached to Jewish people were allowed to be a bit more subtle than the on-the-nose caricatures that sometimes rear up in the course of this piece, where the Jewish folk, especially the rabbis of the Old Temple, Look around at Jesus' accomplishments and his testimony to life with his God, his Father, and make fun of him because they want to keep control. They want to keep wealthy. They are powerful, money-grubbing souls.
I also wonder if it's perfectly appropriate to have every single Roman soldier we meet be like the worst bully you can imagine from your high school experiences. They're smiling and wickedly interested in afflicting punishment on the body of Jesus, and of course we watch the affliction in painful slow motion. A concluding point, though, to tie off all of these loose ends and maybe make this movie an appealing portrait of something really remarkable. One of the most bankable stars in global cinema from the 1980s onward is Mel Gibson. He is a truly magnetic and wonderful personality on screen as actor. To my taste, he is an uneven filmmaker, but he does have nerve. This movie should be categorized as an experimental film. Not only is it extraordinarily graphic, it is also told almost completely in dead languages that were resurrected through the course of making this movie in order to give this thing a feel of being truthful for life two millennia ago. The production design also, to my eye, seems pretty flawless. The armor, the costuming, and so on, and many of the performers we see on screen were cast from Mediterranean Sea-adjacent countries where they were established in markets and in industries that may not be very well known to the English-speaking world. So, an audience member turning out to see this movie in February of 2004, when I was a new father with an infant in my arms unable to join them, would have been standing in line in America to watch a foreign language film made by an Australian who nonetheless was able to account for his belief system as a Catholic from a particularly conservative branch of the faith and bring to light his story of praise to God. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boobity-doo!